So if Jesus is actually God, and a God that cares about each individual and lives in and empowers every follower daily, then you would think there'd be some type of proof, right? Like not just not just stories of, of famous leaders and, and miracles and all that, but like proof in the daily typical lives of those who believe. I mean, does, does following Jesus make any difference in the ups and downs of our regular lives? And what is it actually like to live as a Jesus follower in 2022? Those are good questions. So let's talk about it together. One thing I love about the church and, and Jesus followers is that there really is no typical Jesus follower. See, though every Christian shares the same core belief that God became human and brought his kingdom to earth now through his life, death, and resurrection, God interacts with and guides and transforms and lives with each believer as unique individuals. But what's that really like? And, and why do people still believe in this God 2,000 years after those events supposedly happened? Like, is there some reason people would devote their personal, unique lives to following Jesus in 2022? And does it actually make any difference in our regular life? And so I thought it would be good to ask my friend Luke about his experience of being a Jesus follower. To give those of you who are listening and watching, and you maybe you're exploring what Christianity is about, a chance to hear from a real person about their real experience. And for those of you who have decided to follow Jesus, we want to give you some encouragement from someone else's story and see in action what the Apostle Peter explained in 1 Peter 2.9. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. So, as we say at Cross Creek, if you've experienced it, you can share it. And so we're going to listen to Luke share what he has experienced. Hi, Luke. Hey. Uh, so first question for you, my <clears throat> friend. Yes. Who are you? I am Luke. Uh, I'm the husband of Gillian and father of five kids, Julian, Brooks, Matthew, Zipporah, and Lily. Good job. My dad <laughs> couldn't remember his three kids. <laughs> <laughs> All go by their middle names, so um, that's fun. And then, see, I've been a military service member for 20 plus years now and am starting to transition out of the full-time side to the civilian side. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. And I'm a Jesus follower. Awesome. And why are you like in this episode? Like who are you for Cross Creek? Uh, at Cross Creek, I am part of the executive leadership team, I think is what we call it. I like to call it the Executive Leadership Fellowship. Fellowship? Because you're elves. Fraternity. Oh. No, no, we don't want to say fraternity. That's, <laughs> that uh, implies a class system. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, to, to, the, to the churchy people, I'm an elder. Mm -hmm. And then also the music director. Awesome. Yes, you are. Thank you. For the last five years. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep, since the start. So, um, we're going to dig in. To you, mm -hmm. who is Jesus. Jesus is, he's multifaceted in my life, if that's, if that's a term that I can use. Um, he's, he's a friend, but he's also my leader, so to speak. And um, 
as a, as a Jesus follower, to me, he's someone that uh, I look to, to for guidance and how best to live. Um, I would say that for years, I considered myself a Christian. Mm-hmm. Anyone that said Jesus follower or believer is a pretty tricky term. It goes both ways. But the Jesus followers were like hippies. <laughs> you know, I have expected them to say they're... They follow Yeshua mm-hmm. or Jehovah, um, but uh, I found that like, with just calling myself a Christian, there's a lot of Christians right out there and that don't believe in the same way, the same Jesus that I simply believe in. And being the difference between being a Jesus follower and just a Christian is a Jesus follower. I feel as a disciple implies certain responsibilities, hmm. and so with that. Jesus is to me is someone that I try to emulate in my life and how I interact with others. Great. Um, you said the word disciple. Mm-hmm. How would you describe what it means to be a disciple? A disciple is someone that studies someone else. Hmm. The simplest definition that I can think of in my um, unused college degree terms. Uh, it, 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 Really, what we think if you, if you look at the story of Jesus in the Bible and his 12 disciples, he had lots of followers, but the disciples were the ones that were studying him, asking him all the personal questions. Mm-hmm. They, when the sermon was over, they went with him. Yes, yeah. those were ones that he specifically called. Uh, but uh, so I, I view a disciple as someone who doesn't just kind of like, like, I follow lots of people on Facebook, Instagram, not on Twitter because I don't like to read <laughs> like pictures. <laughs> But uh, I wouldn't consider myself a disciple of mm. any of them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. There's, so he's someone that I try to, again, study and emulate. And the reason I do that is because of who he is as my God and mm-hmm. my Lord. It's awesome. So um, sounds like you, as a disciple, like Jesus is who you devoted your life to, yes. right? So how did you come? How did that begin for you? Uh, you may not believe this. I struggled to believe this myself. But uh, at three and a half, um, I remember sitting in church. Like Obviously, I, I grew up in church. Um, and at three and a half, I remember sitting in the church service. I don't know if it was Sunday night or Sunday morning. But we were, the doors were open. We were there. Mm-hmm. There were multiple services on a Sunday morning. We were there one. So that was kind of my life. I was going to tossed in that, so to speak. But at three and a half, I remember sitting in church and leaning over my dad and saying, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. So we got up, which is super cool when you get to leave the church service in the middle of the service. Um, we walked back to uh, one of the Sunday school classrooms and knelt down and I said the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus into my heart. And very young, three and a half, uh, I tend to do a lot of things young, apparently. Got married at 19, as used in my heart at three and a half, but I remember understanding at the time at my level what that mm-hmm. was and what that meant, and it wasn't just something I said to get a sticker in Sunday school or something like that. Um, it meant that I wanted Jesus to be in my life and to guide and direct me. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I said at the beginning, how he interacted with each of us in our own unique right. way. For you, it was like three and a half. For others, mm-hmm. it might be 33 and a half. Right, and I was definitely no savant or a genius by any 
you know, I was homeschooled, so I was weird. But again, <laughs> at three, I couldn't even read. But uh, I don't know. I just the the Bible and the stories about God and Jesus like kind of captured my attention at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of absorbed that. We didn't have a TV at that time, so that kind of helped. <laughs> you know, I didn't have something to draw my attention. But um, yeah, I remember at the three. That's when it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say what it really became real was as I was older, but I, but I know for, for a fact that it started at that point. Um, and as much as a three and a half year old can understand dedicating their life to Jesus, mm-hmm. I knew I had a relationship with him at that point and understood again that, that those terms, in the same way that I understood that my dad was my dad and my mom was my mom, mm-hmm. I understood that Jesus was my savior um, and that I learned over time what that really meant as far as So how would you explain that journey of life-changing moments and it becoming a bit more deep? Well, um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. What's Pentecostal mean? Pentecostal is someone that believes in the things that took place on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and the followers and they spoke in tongues. It's a very charismatic Again, charismatic refers to someone who believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So speaking in tongues, prophecy, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I point that out to say that um, spiritual growth and maybe spiritualism is probably not a fair term, but spiritual growth was a very emphasized thing uh, in, in the church. And so um, developing spiritually was very important to church mm-hmm. and in that denomination so <clears throat> um, as far as like how that developed uh, it, it was I was surrounded and in, in, immersed in Christian doctrine and scripture music was a big was a big part of that and um, so at nine I was baptized and as you shared on Sunday, which no one gets to see because it wasn't on camera. Gotta come to the in-person <laughs> services. You know, at, at nine, I haven't been baptized since mm-hmm. um, because I, I do believe that I, I was, quote-unquote, saved at that point and, that, and I understood the decision that I made to be, to be baptized. So um, that development and how it grew at nine years old, you know, like I said, I was baptized and I understood that I was making a public declaration of my faith to the church body in that church in Newburgh, and then um, I grew, and I rebelled, you know, and in my adolescent mind, like, like everybody does, they, uh, <clears throat> I decided that I didn't want to be a good kid, and I was tired of being pointed out as a good kid, I was an usher at like 10, <laughs> you know, I had, you were a, in it. I had a little badge, I loved to wear a suit and tie to church, you know, I, I helped with offering, I never, never served uh, community, because I was like a deacon thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I was very into it, and I got to a point in my probably 13, 14, you know, where I kind of got tired of that. Yeah. And I made some friends who were also church-going friends, but Jesus was not there, the person that they followed. Mm-hmm. And so I used that as an excuse in how the church, what I, in my opinion, that they accepted them or not accepted them as an excuse to, like, you know, I'm going to stand up for my friend by smoking mm. cigarettes and marijuana. 
you know, just doing, doing, rebel. doing <laughs> stupid stuff. And but here, but here's here's the cool thing. And if you want to get deep into theology and stuff like that, there's those that believe you can lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. Those who believe in eternal security. There's various levels of those. Right. And the reason I believe in eternal security, but Jesus will never throw you out. Yeah, he'll never throw you out. Essentially, is what that means. Because even throughout that whole time, I felt the Holy Spirit with me. Mm-hmm. Not in a, I'm going to speak in tongues and feel these little chills and emotional highs. But no, every step and every sin that I committed, every time I you know, essentially broke God's law of love by lying to my parents. And doing all these things I shouldn't have done, I felt the Holy Spirit there saying, mm. You know, you shouldn't do this. Mm. Yeah. Right. Then I go to church and I run sound and I lead worship for the kids. And the Holy Spirit's like, You really need to <laughs> stop mm-hmm. doing these things and do what you know you, what you know is right. And so I had this, this war within, within me. And then finally, about junior year in high school, I was like, All right, Enough is enough. That friend that I was sticking up for all the time, like using it as an excuse to rebel, uh, started doing things that I was not comfortable with as far as like experimenting with drugs and things sure. like that. And so I'm like, you know what, I can't. Mm-hmm. And that decision that I know was guided by the Holy Spirit was the decision that uh, at the time I'm like, you know what, enough is enough. I need to return like the prodigal son, so to speak. And it was super humbling. And embarrassing. I didn't like repent before the church or right. my dad or anything like that. But like it was a very humbling experience just between me and God. I got my own Bible and the translation that I wanted, and the color that I wanted, <laughs> green, which is the best color. And Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and I just started reading. It. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, like that's when it really became like this is this is a lifelong commitment. I've already done my time not being committed to Jesus and it's time to get back to it and so that's where it really it took off and it really became mine and not something that I was emulating by the people that I saw around me mm-hmm. that I, I saw them doing it's awesome so <clears throat> it's kind of like the Holy Spirit for you was <clears throat> this parent in a sense kind of like calling you back to who you actually are but not fully condemning you and being like oh you're no son of mine but just kind of stuck with you until the relationship became exactly it's like the, the best parent you could possibly imagine, mm-hmm. who unfortunately is going to every party you're going to, and you know behind every corner, just watching. It's not they're not interfering in any way. Mm-hmm. It's like when they give you a ride home, you're like, you know, you shouldn't have done that. The hangover's gonna suck. It's really, this is not what's best for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're 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 hurting the people that love you. They may not know it now, but one day when they find out, they will be hurt. The decisions that you're making and the, the lies that you're telling, this is a big deal. You know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to hit you. You know, <laughs> somehow I never got caught. Right. You know, which is amazing to me because I was an idiot. But like his gentle presence hmm. was always there, saying, "I love you. You really shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I love you. Stop. Love you. <laughs> Come on. You know." So. Um, we didn't talk about this beforehand, mm-hmm. I didn't prepare you for this question, but it popped into my head. You said you're married at 19, mm-hmm. and for the first <clears throat> beginning of your marriage, yeah. you weren't living in the United States, right? For, well, for, so, we got married in July of 2022. Mm-hmm. In Not 2022. Uh, uh, 2002. There you go. Why? 
<laughs> a couple decades previous. So, in uh, 2002, um, no, 2001, yeah, 2001, because September 11th happened. Mm -hmm. um, so my, my goal, and I was in college at the time, my goal was to become an, an army chaplain. So a full-time, active duty, army pastor, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that was my goal, so I was going to school for that. 9-11 happened, I'm like, I don't want to wait to serve my country. So I joined the military, and then Day after my birthday, in 2022, is when I shipped out to basic training. And so I got home from basic training two weeks before our first anniversary. So mm -hmm. gone for four months for basic, or five months, something like that. And then uh, I got back to basic, didn't understand my college tuition assistance and, and financial help from the Army to pay for college. And like, I can't afford private Christian college anymore with two of us and a $1,200 month income. Mm -hmm. So we moved back down from Washington where we were living. Oregon and then five months later I deployed so to uh, Kuwait and Iraq for 14 months and then so by the time I got home we had been married celebrated our third anniversary two months later and I've been gone for about a year and a half that about 18 months yeah that's crazy so. <laughs> which probably helped us a lot hmm. uh, well I can't say that, that deploying in the military grows a person up, because <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it kind of takes the opposite effect for some, but for me, and for Gillian, it, uh, we, we did a lot of growing during that time apart, mm -hmm. understanding what it meant to be committed to one another. It's like something that, like, everyone has different gifts, you know, I honestly believe that my gift is, like, commitment, because mm -hmm. I'm... You're a very loyal guy. I am. I, and it's it's weird. You get really angry a lot. <laughs> you know, you think, like, hey, I'm done with this thing, but I can't quit for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad, and I think a lot of that has to do, for one, it's how God made me. But two, that has served me really well in my commitment to the Lord and understanding that. And, and that translated into my marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. So even at 19, I knew I was committed to this girl, this teenager, for right. life. And, uh, but that time apart in that dedication to one another um, was definitely a, a growing and learning experience. So when I came home with PTSD and all sorts of mental issues and, and struggles and stuff, uh, we were, we had grown up, like, I was, I turned 21 while I was gone, came home at 22, mm -hmm. so there's, there's a pretty big gap between 19 and 22. Yeah, um, it's actually like going off to war. Yeah, <laughs> 22 doesn't sound nearly as bad when you say that I got married at 22 versus 19. So right. It's kind of like, guys <laughs> like, you know what, I'm getting married a little early, so how about you guys have some time for it, and then you can get figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, um, teenager, army, getting married young, five kids, uh, you actually are a small business owner also, mm -hmm. uh, which we've been talking about, you own a leather business called Gothic Custom Shop. So through all of that, and all those experiences, what have you discovered about Jesus or following him? Just being a Jesus follower. What I've discovered as a Jesus follower is that being a Jesus follower is real life. Hmm. And you can take that however you want. Um, it's not easy. It's dirty. It's rough. It's uh, but it's also awesome. It's like it's like it's like being married in a lot of ways. And Jesus or I guess Jesus through the the, the apostles in the New Testament uh, compare 
the marriage between a man and a woman, between our relationship of us as the church as the bride of Christ and mm-hmm. Jesus as our husband, essentially. So it, uh, it's a very, very apt application. And so um, in the same way that I can be upset with my wife, she can be upset with me probably more than I'm upset with her. This is how it works. But, uh, like, we're still coming back together. Mm-hmm. And we love each other and we're committed to that. And there's, there's going to be days where we're super happy and days that we're not. Um, there's, she's going to make decisions that I don't quite understand, but I have to trust that she does it because she loves me, or she doesn't do it in spite of her love for me. In the same way God makes decisions and does things for me, or guides me to do or not to do things because he loves me even though I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I say I understand uh, as much about God as I do about being a woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is enough to get by and to, to get a few I love yous. Okay. Um, and so, but again, like that's like what I'm, it's, it's, it's just like any other part of life. Mm-hmm. Being a Jesus follower, you're still... But there's this, in the same way, like, if I'm super depressed or super down or stressed, and I get stressed a lot, like I said, I own a business, right. and so I work like 60 hours a week, Monday through Saturday, and I try not to work on Sundays, mm-hmm. yeah. but on Sundays, then I do music, yes. and yeah. so that's stressful also. So I'm stressed seven days a week. <laughs> um, but if, if I have any kind of issue or whatever, in this world, physically, I can always go to my wife. She is the comfort for me, or I can hang out with my kids. Family movie night, you know, things like that. I have that that physical relationship there that I can interact with them, and it calms me. Down. It's the same way with with Jesus. I mean, sometimes he needs to remind me pretty heavily that he's there mm-hmm. and he's comforting me, um, and he does that from time to time. Sometimes he waits for me to come to him, and other times he comes to me. But it's that again. It's, it's a two way relationship. That's, that's what I've discovered. And it's great. It's awesome. I love being married. And I love my relationship with Jesus. Being Jesus. It's awesome. Um, what questions? So Cross Street, we're all about asking questions. Yeah. And uh, we don't always have all the answers. And you said, you, you know, I'm just going to understand God about that much. Mm-hmm. What questions, like maybe a few or one or two, are you still exploring? <clears throat> how, to, how to love is probably the biggest one. Uh, it's a question that, through study and starting Cross Creek, like it's become like our motto, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. It's not a mission statement; it's like our motto. It's like our mantra. Like, what does love look like in this situation? And how to love, and really what that true love looks like in every situation. Uh-huh. And would it, would it be a personal conviction issue, a sin issue, with a brother or sister, or relationship with my wife, with my kids, like? That is huge. Like I'm always asking that question, and sometimes I, I think I know the answer. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that, but it's still it's like I don't understand what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. That and what eternity looks like is going to feel like. Oh yeah. That one I try not to explore <laughs> because it freaks me out. I get cold sweats and I don't have to think about it. But <laughs> cold sweats about eternity? It, yeah, it's weird. It's weird, and that's that's probably the big the biggest thing I've. I've I go to my wife about, hey, can you pray for me? I'm having an eternity episode right now. Like, it's just like, it, it's weird to me, like that concept. That's cool. But I guess. So, but like, but honestly, the biggest We'll talk about that one. Yeah. 
the biggest thing is uh, is, is obviously that, that question of love. Like, what is love yeah. like in this situation? And it's so tough, especially being in leadership. Like, I've always been in leadership in church in some right. level, mm-hmm. whether it be in youth group, usher, like 10, stupid, weird little kid. But, uh, but I've always been in some form of leadership, but like, I've never started a church. Mm-hmm. We helped start Cross Creek. So that's put me at a different level that is super uncomfortable in so many different ways. We've had some good, Fun conversations <laughs> about situations. <laughs> I think it's helped us grow as friends. Oh yeah, for sure. I mm-hmm. really has. Uh, but uh, it, but it's. I think it's a good question to ask, and it's probably the best struggle you can have as a Christian mm. is to ask how to love. Yeah, like it's it's simple, but totally demanding. Like it takes. It really is. Mm-hmm. And it takes each uh, individual as an individual, each situation as an individual situation. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. Um, okay, so the title of this series is Why I Still Believe. So that's the big question. So after all that experience, all those questions, just your life and rabbit trails, rabbit trails and the fact that it's 2022, why do you still believe? Uh, I can answer it similar to uh, what I've discovered as being a news follower is the reality. Uh, and and in, in, in this situation, the reality of who God is. Proving himself to me, uh, I can I can tell stories of God saying, you know, in, in my in my charismatic Pentecostal years, there were several times where like, I felt God speak the truth, something that was that was going to happen, and I saw it happen, hmm. you know, and that was really cool. Um, I think on the outside, people can see situations that. Like this was totally a God thing. And they're like, yeah, it's also coincidence and science, and it just happens. So get over yourself. <laughs> but uh, but when you're in the moment, right? Like, there's no question in my mind of all these times that God has been there for me. There's times where when we moved to our, our current house, we had some serious financial struggles with a company that we used for moving that overbuilt us like several times mm-hmm. and negative in our account. Told the kids, like, hey, you know what? We're going to pray. It's like God telling them, like, don't freak out right now. You need to be strong. And if you feel like you're lying to your kids, that's fine. But lie to them and tell them, you believe that God will be real. And we prayed. Mm-hmm. And then within, like, the day, it was hours. Mm-hmm. So friends showed up with a check for $1,000 hmm. and a SUV full of groceries. That's awesome. It's like, what? Yeah. And it's just like, it's just time after time, God proving himself to be real. That's why I still it's not. It's not because I feel guilty if I don't. Mm. It's not because you know I'm raised in the church and therefore I should. You know, a lot of people are raised in the church and are not following Jesus. Now. Right, right. Um, but his reality of who he is and how he loves and that motivation to be like that. Like people will let you down. Like, it doesn't matter who they are. Like I've let my wife down. And I love her more than anybody else in this world. She's let me down before. Like people will always let you down. But Jesus has never let me down. He's confused the <laughs> she can bleep it out. heck out of me. <laughs> but <laughs> many times. But he's never let me down. Mm-hmm. And and so I'll continue to follow him. And, and I, I like to think that I'll follow him not because just because he lets me down because I love him. But I'm a sinful human being. So I need these tangibles to hang on mm-hmm. to. Committed to him for 40 years, well, 
37 years, close to three, but uh, this long, and again, he hasn't let me down, so I'm not going to change that. That's awesome. So, last question. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who is exploring this whole Jesus thing right now? <clears throat> it, it, this is, it's going to be harder than it, but maybe it's easier than it sounds. I don't know how to put this, but it's not going to be easy, mm -hmm. but I would say find a community of true Jesus followers and immerse yourself in it. Hmm. And the way you find a community of true Jesus followers is to go to yourcrosscreek.com <laughs> slash about. The about broken by the way. Anyways, uh, no, is to, it's like, how do you know who Jesus' followers are? And mm -hmm. Jesus told us in John, what is it? I looked it up before, before here. I think it's like 1331. Okay. It says, you know, all will know that you are my followers by this, how you love one another. Mm -hmm. And again, that question of what does love look like, it's not something I came up with. Uh, I'm not sure if it's copyrighted, but I'm not going to quote who it. It came from another church, but I reported it in a smidge, yes, so it's legal. Bit, yeah, so it's legal. Yeah, but asking that question, what does love look like, mm -hmm. um, is, is huge. Because if we don't ask ourselves that as Jesus followers, how are people going to know? Mm -hmm. Are we just like assuming that we're loving? That we're doing what love looks like. And so finding a community, it could be a church, it could be a home, a group of friends, mm -hmm. one individual that loves like Jesus loves, and loves in that special way, that, that way that says, Your needs are more important than my wants, or even sometimes my needs. Mm -hmm. And just be in relationship with them. Because the only way we can know what Jesus is like physically on the is by hanging out with Jesus followers. Because true Jesus followers are going to try to emulate that in the best way. And like the two commands that Jesus gave was love God, love your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. That's it. And if you look at, like, it bothered me at first, like, Jesus, yeah. like, how does that really work? Like, I don't have to follow anything else. Mm -hmm. Well, if you look at the Ten Commandments, it's all about love. You don't murder because that's not really love, right? You don't steal your neighbor's life or cover your neighbor's life. Mm -hmm. That's not really a loving thing to do, right? You know, it's all about love, and as long as we're loving how Jesus loves, we're not going to do all these other things. Mm -hmm. So, so find a community. Find a, find a community that of true Jesus followers mm -hmm. that is asking that question. And it's unfortunately it's going to be harder than one might think. You go to several churches, unfortunately. Let's name them. <laughs> okay. I'll be better. No, but, uh, but, but even all those churches, you're going to find people. So. Yeah, you're, you're right. right. You're and right. that's what it is. Like, a church is made up of people. So, like, it's, not, it's not just a building. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a sermon on that. I believe you're across you Slash sermons or something. Like that. Uh, but, <laughs> but there are people out there. And find those people. And hang out with them. Mm -hmm. And find out if that's something you can be a part of. Thank you for watching this episode put out by Cross Creek Community Church. You can find more about us at yourcrosscreek.com. Thank you to Luke for doing this interview. We've got one more interview coming next week. Uh, we thank you so much for tuning in, subscribing, liking on the podcast, and on YouTube. We've got another in-person gathering coming up in August, and 
This weekend, we will be handing out ice cream at West Bennett Park. Check out information in the show notes or on the screen, and we hope to see you in person.